Good morning, Browns fans, and welcome to the 35th episode of the 92-Yard Run podcast. It has been forever since we have been back here recording, and I'm so happy that we are. I'm your co-host, Joey. With me is the one and only Sam Madden Park. Sam, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Looking forward to our new, improved, and streamlined Browns podcast. No yes. more uh, Hawks and Blazers, because that seemed too, yeah. Sad. <laughs> Sad, just, just Browns. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, Blazers stock has done nothing but go down since the last time we were on the show. So perhaps we could stick to maybe what we know best. And there's plenty to talk about, too, is the thing. We have a packed show. And we're going to be bringing it about once a month, I think, is our hope for the rest of the summer. We learned last year that there really is not a lot of football news over the summer. So there might be this year, though. Uh, we just had some today because we're recording this. And when we were doing the pre-recording prep, in that time, Jadavian Clowney re-signed on a one-year contract. The first time he's re-signed with any team in his NFL career. Very exciting. <laughs> just brilliant. Just, just a sigh of relief. I know you agree, Sam, that that was a yeah. huge No, need. I was really worried because apparently everybody needs an edge rusher, which is kind of a universal and always ever-present uh, ever truth in the NFL, I think. Right. Everybody needs an edge rusher, particularly the Ravens and Carolina, and yeah. he lives in Carolina. So that was mm-hmm. like, oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, you know, I was brought him back. I was nervous about Carolina or about Baltimore. I kept reading on these Baltimore things. They're like the clearest holes we could fix are with. Former Browns players, Jarvis Landry and Jadavian Clowney. I'm like, please don't do this. Don't make us do this. Like, that's just so cruel. You know, I don't want to have to play these guys. Not only because Clowney's good, no disrespect, Jarvis, but also just because it would just break my soul. Yeah. So it's a huge upgrade, and that's a huge signing, too. I mean, that fills maybe the last hole. We'll get to that. Yes, at least the biggest one. It was the biggest one. Right. The biggest remaining hole. Yes. We've got a bunch to discuss today and essentially recap most of, if not all, of the 2021 season. And we won't go game by game, but we'll try to take away what we think about it and what the expectations for this year should be. I think we need to start by talking about it because there's no way around talking about Deshaun Watson simply because this is a franchise-altering move that you and I disagree with for different reasons that, you know... It goes without saying that they're on incredibly rocky ethical ground. And I, you know, and it's it's the type of move that you're just like, really, is this something that we had to do? Are we that desperate? Is that, you know, that that made a lot of people leave the fan base and I respect it completely. I'm hesitant about it because I also think you give the chance to any other quarterback needy team and they would have done the same thing. And we know that because many other teams yes. are in pursuit of Watson. But um, it's certainly not something, I mean, you, you, you know, it's it's disappointing because, you know, Baker, flawed as he was, which we'll get to in a second, was somebody that I had a lot of fun wearing his jersey around and being, you know, he's a fun guy, he's a competitor, he's someone who doesn't quit, that's all great. Maybe he should have quit a couple of times, but he didn't, and that was great. And, you'll, I mean, you'll never see me in a Watson jersey, and I, I think there's a lot of fans who right. left, and there's a lot of fans who stay and feel the exact same way, which is disheartening. Yeah. No, it's definitely not something to be proud of. You know, I am less interested in the ethical concerns than some people, but definitely not something to be proud of. And uh, right. 
even from a football perspective, if its future is uncertain in any way, not ideal to be handing out guaranteed contracts. Um, and I adore Baker and still do. So right. that's the bigger issue. <laughs> I did. I mean, I thought he was great, and I really thought we were serious about the give him a chance to come back from injury and he'll impress you. And our plan, Andrew Barry was saying, was to do that, was to let him try again. But when Andrew Barry, the paragon saint of the analytics and the team building in the NFL, says Baker is not the one who can do this for us, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, that's that's a huge deal. I trust this guy. Stefanski, too. They clearly didn't think he was good enough. Right. Which I think is a mistake. I, I don't know. It's just so strange to me that they went 11 and 5, 10 and 6, sorry, 10 and 6, went to the playoffs and almost went to the AFC championship game based on some iffy calls. And, you know, it, it was the Chiefs. Right. With Baker Mayfield and with Kevin Stefanski in their first year together. And the next season was bad. Everybody can admit it was bad. Baker was the first one to admit that it was very bad. But he was really hurt and he tried really hard. And then they just completely bail on him. I don't know. Because For maybe, a guy, like I said, whose future in football and in kind of, you know, polite society is uh, very much uncertain. Uh, it's, it's hard. It because, is a tough move to get behind. Well, it's hard because a lot of it just relies so heavily on what we don't know. Like, there had always been rumors about Stefanski and Baker not getting along and not being on the same page. And we always thought that was just, you know, clickbait journalism. But I think we probably should have read into the fact that we always said Ob- Odell Beckham Jr. stuff was clickbait journalism. Mary Kay Cabot makes it all up and we don't believe her. And then she's right the whole time. I mean, spot on about everything she was saying about Odell. And he wanted out, and he was telling Von Miller not to come to Cleveland. I don't know why we we, we wouldn't believe when they say the same behind-the-scenes drama happened with Baker. Like when he was, you know, leaking information about his injury and, you know, all of these concerns. And people point out that a lot of the stuff that that we thought was just, you know, trying for media attention, because they always are with the Browns, actually might have been true and may not be great. I would... I'm hesitant to put too much faith in the media, especially the sports media, just because they're able to guess correctly that Odell was unhappy is not, I, you know, that's not the, that's not the furthest thing to stretch of the imagination. So true. I'm less inclined to just take their word for it that Baker was being an issue. But even if he was, I think what you said earlier about the Browns being desperate kind of goes both ways. I think if you're Baker Mayfield, you know that new regimes usually get their own quarterbacks. They don't like to use the ones that the old uh, front office drafted. Right. And then you get this, you know, what, what should have been, okay, it should have been a season-ending injury, right? And he probably knew yeah. that at the time. Mm-hmm. In your contract year, and you're trying to prove it to this new guy. I mean, it, it was tough. I think it was a tough situation for him, and he probably did some things that he shouldn't have done, said some things he shouldn't have done just out of desperation. But there's all, and that could be true and that could explain it, but I think it just makes more sense that the Browns said, this guy is not the long-term solution. Like they know that they've got a core right now. That is a very good core. That is among the best cores in the NFL with the defense, the line, you know, the skill positions, all that we can talk about in a minute. 
No, no, no. Well, I'm just saying, like, a good core, but minus a quarterback, which is, like, 90% of a core. Exactly. So, so they, they <laughs> saw that, and that's what they said. They said, if you can't – I mean, with Baker, right, he spent half of his NFL career so far having bad seasons, and half of it having very good seasons. Now, 2020 was kind of mixed because the first half was bad. He played easy right. teams in the second half and was top three quarterback in the NFL statistically, right? So, but, like – Everything with him comes with a caveat, other than that first year. And although, and that first year should come with a caveat that he was, he, they went seven, eight, and one. And I know that's not on him, right? And I know you're, I know four and twelve is blaring in your mind right now. <laughs> I can hear it, but he's never had a season that was wire to wire great, without exception. And if that's what they think they need to win a Super Bowl, then they just, I felt, I think they, they didn't feel like they could roll the dice on waiting and seeing if he can deliver that because they've got a core that's just going to get older from here. It's yeah. I mean, it's true. I, like, that's a good point that Baker has not been amazing for even most of his career. But I mean, when it worked, it worked. And I don't think anybody can deny that. Yeah. You know, going to the playoff and, you know, pushing the chiefs close in yeah. the playoffs was a major victory beating the Steelers. It was a huge deal. Out. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just weird that all of that has been forgotten so fast. Not just by the front office. I know the front office is making business decisions, but even by fans and all that. It's <laughs> you go on right. Reddit or whatever, and some of them are still love Baker, but a lot of them are like, "Man, this guy sucked." And I'm like, "No, yeah. he's like, no, he didn't." Like, come <laughs> no, he on. Didn't. Well, that's so, the thing. Yeah. And maybe it's my Twitter bubble, but a lot of Twitter, you know, that I was seeing was, you know, I will remember Baker for 48-37, and I'll remember him for that, you know, that run on third down on the outside where he slides and bounds to keep the clock running and send us to the playoffs at home again, also against Pittsburgh and against Mason Rudolph, which makes it better. Like, I'll remember him for that, too. And so I'm happy to wear the Mayfield jersey, and I'm happy to keep that around. Like, there's no that, – that, that's the thing about that, even going back to the Watson stuff – even after he leaves the team, there's still much to be proud of with this guy because he gave his heart and tried hard, and he gave us a lot of good play, a lot of bad play, but a lot of good play too. And that's pride. I mean, he might – I don't think they'll put him in the ring of fame, especially how things ended. No. Well, he could come back. I'm not ruling I have hope. Maybe as a backup. Perhaps. Yeah, well, you know, in like five years, once he wins like five Super Bowls, uh, of then he'll come back and be with like, okay, exactly? I'm willing to try it again. <laughs> after Deshaun's contract is up. But oh, okay. uh, I don't know. I also think this guy was first overall, you know, and he was had good games. If you give him the same coach for more than um, – well, okay, so it would have been his third season, right? Last season was – I counted as a wash. I know not everybody does. But because he was hurt and so clearly, like, limited, I kind of – you know, I think it's harsh to hold that against him. So if you give him like a second healthy season behind Stefanski and with new chemistry with all these players, like you said, building a very good core, I don't know why they wouldn't expect him to get better, but I, I they must know that, something I don't. I think that's true, but the thing that they might know that we don't is do the teammates like him? Like I know we've talked about this before, and I know you're not as convinced by the point, but I mean all these rumors come out that teammates were not crazy about baker that they liked odell that odell wasn't a chemistry problem i mean 
It explains a lot because we well, all hold saw on. But if Odell that, wasn't a chemistry problem, then sports reporters are wrong. And then they could be I, well, wrong about Mayfield. <laughs> well, so that's the thing. And that's this is true. But what they were saying about Odell the whole time wasn't necessarily about the him being a problem in the locker room. We thought that. They told us that Odell was saying all these things and was upset and wanted out. And we said, God, he must be a terrible teammate. Another read on that same rumor is he's right and other players agree with him. Someone else is the problem. That's totally a compatible read. And and so Brad Steinberg, who's, who's another Cleveland Browns reporter, said today that, you know, Jadavian Clowney would not have signed if Baker was still there. Like there's it sounds like there's players who didn't like him. And that doesn't mean right. you should give Watson, to be clear. None of this means you should go to Deshaun. What yeah, okay. Is. Like, the fact that these players like Watson. And also, I like, I don't really care what these people think about Baker in general. Like, <laughs> I'm not convinced NFL players are, you know, good people anyway. So, um, also, Odell. <laughs> sorry. What? No, I was saying that could be true. Keep, keep yeah. going. Like, I don't know. Locker room chemistry is important to an extent. But, like, if you being paid millions of dollars to play football. I don't really care how you feel about someone on a personal level. Um, also, Odell publicly wanting out and creating drama and like creating videos about not getting targets. How, however you cut it is being a bad teammate, right? Like you don't trash yeah. your team right. for whatever reason, unless they're like employing sexual assaulters or something. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I mean yeah well that's yes that is exactly you know, right it's but, not like he's whistleblowing widespread abuse he's complaining about what whatever Odell complains about right now that's true the only concern is if I mean if he's right about it like if Baker Mayfield really was this attention hog and you could see it like that's the thing, and it's all empty speculation, right? And I'm going to get to a second what I think is a, a potentially alternative thing that doesn't actually implicate Baker. But you could see the idea of this young hotshot who's famously confident coming in, doing a bunch of media appearances, right? And going and becoming this whole celebrity guy. But, you know, leaving the team behind, you can see that. And some of the footage doesn't match with that. Like, we do see plays where... Landry and Beckham are sulking about not getting the ball. Like maybe it is that they just wanted to be involved more. I guess my point, we don't know, but like there's plausible narratives on both sides. And it, I'm inclined to think that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski saw this. And when they had an opportunity to do something, they did it. Yeah. doesn't mean they should have, but that's what happened. Right. Yeah. I, I'm arguing from a losing position because, and I'll acknowledge that because clearly the two experts on this situation, like you said, chose very differently than I did. Right. But, but I mean, I mean, ex Browns GMs have made mistakes before. So yeah, it's like, I, I love you know, they can mess up. Barry has a good track record, but you know, yeah, everybody makes mistakes and you really hope he's not making a mistake here. Right. I don't know. The whole, my whole point or my whole mindset is I think it was too early. Uh, you know, you had one more year with Baker. I would have run it back. I would have loved to watch running it back. Um, and I think he would have been great, but that's not what we're going to get. So it's a little sad and meaningless to debate about it. But 
I just can't be- I just can't believe they did that to him. <laughs> I know. And it was hard how it happened. I will say that it is funny that you use the term run it back because Jadavian Clowney just posted on Instagram an image of him in Cleveland gear with the at caption, run it back. So right. he wow. was clearly willing to come back, but whether or not that was with Baker, I mean, that could be an unsubstantiated rumor. Again, now we're back to sports media. I'll give him some credit, but not a ton. I, like, I say your sympathy. Yeah. I don't know. I, when I see the players speaking, then I believe it. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Even then, it's like, yeah, whatever. But, when Jadavian says, I hate Baker Mayfield, maybe I'll say, okay, maybe he didn't like Baker Mayfield. That's possible. Yeah, I would consider it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, even then, he could be playing with us. could be a tactic. I, I mean, what are you going to say? I hate Deshaun Watson? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's a fair thing. I want to bring up one alternative interpretation about these events that also aligns with another offseason decision, which was the trade of Austin Hooper who was a recent right. signing. And that is that the Browns are trying to change philosophy. And not just in a way that they're, you know, a win-now team and they're willing to make major investments like Watson to do what they have to do to win. But instead, we've talked a lot about the Browns' inability to make last-minute comebacks and the stagnation of their offense – and there's, I mean, there's tons of examples of this. If you look across the season of one of one possession losses where we just stagnated, even in the playoffs against the Chiefs. One interpretation of that is that it was Baker Mayfield's fault and he couldn't make the reads. The other is that the team's philosophy of essentially possession football, you know, quick passes to tight ends and a lot of running the football wasn't working as well. So what did they do? They got rid of their tight end. They made moves for wide receivers and they traded for a playmaking quarterback. And it could be that Stefanski is trying to change a lot about how this Browns team operates offensively. And I'm curious what you think about that, and if you think that would be a good idea. I think it's likely. I don't know if it's a great idea, mostly because another weird thing about it is Barry built a team very specifically around Baker. Um, And, you know, for that one season it worked. And Stefanski was a big part of that. Like he, he ran the Kirk Cousins offense of doing exactly what you're saying. Um, and, you know, did it very successfully for a season. Um, and you got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Dernis Johnson and Demetri Felton and some guy they just drafted all in the running back room. You know, it, it's really a team. I know so they really super, but it's still like, this run first identity team you got the best offensive line in football i will we'll see how it goes there's another half which i forgot to mention earlier which is that i don't know if deshaun watson is <laughs> i don't think deshaun watson is a great quarterback he might yes, be good he's sometimes good but he went four and 12 not last season but the season before that and then was like well clearly it's everybody else's fault and sat out for a year this was before any rumor. Who knows if he would have actually played if his scandals had not, you know, risen. But uh, when they did show up, he was planning on just sitting out the year, at least publicly, um, and he did. So, you know, you got a guy who went four and twelve, sat out a year, and then you hand him a five-year, forty-five million a year guaranteed contract, and you're going to give him a new coach, a new city, all new teammates, except for Jadavion Clowney. Um, and say, yeah, we expect you to be a whole lot better than the last guy. This is a re- 
<laughs> that is a read on the situation. I think for the purposes of the viewers, let me give them the contrary reading, which is in 2020, the last season that Deshaun Watson played, he graded out as the third best quarterback in the NFL. The year before, he graded out as the eighth best quarterback in the NFL. And so he is graded out as a top 10 quarterback, was a pro bowler, a two-time pro bowler with pretty consensus, you know, success. The team around him was scrapped for parts and was in the midst of a heavy rebuild where they traded everybody, including letting Jadavion Cloudy go, and were willing to lose. I mean, they were a bad football team that had made a bunch of terrible decisions under Bill de Blasio. Not Bill de Blasio. God, what's his name? <laughs> Bill O'Brien. Uh, Bill O'Brien. Thank you. Bill DeBosio, sorry. I, my apologies, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mayor. I'm sure you, you mean well. But um, they made a bunch of bad decisions under Bill O'Brien, and they essentially needed to start over from scratch. And he sat out, not because he said, we're going to suck, but because the Texans said, okay, we're going to let you in on who we're bringing in and who we're hiring. And they didn't do that. Watson wanted them to hire a black man because black men have traditionally faced obstacles and continue to face obstacles getting jobs in NFL administration and in coaching. They didn't. They hired Nick Casario, and Watson said, you completely screwed me. You ignored me in this process. I'm requesting a trade I want out, and I'm going to set out. The allegations came out later, but that was why he sat out. And so it's not, it's not the same way as like Russell Wilson saying, I want out because the Seahawks don't care, you know, aren't building a team. It's true that the Texans weren't building a team for Watson, but it's also true that his reason, his rationale, at least the rationale he gave us, we just said we'll believe players when they start talking, um, was that mm, he cared about Yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Publicly, that is what Watson said. I am less inclined to believe Watson's true motivations for any of his actions than... Fair. That's a fair point, especially now. Some people. Yeah. I mean... And the bigger point, okay, so whatever his me like mentality about it was, he didn't play football for a year. That's true. And was not practicing. Well, okay, I assume he was practicing by himself. He was in the practice squad. He was their safety, remember? They had him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, I guess, yeah, okay. I smeared him a little bit there. He probably doesn't need, you know, <laughs> he doesn't need I any would, more slander. So, <laughs> or any I wouldn't worry about on smearing top of Deshaun the, Watson, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like I'm just piling piling on you know so he sat out for whatever reason so yeah the, the more important point is went four and 12 and then sat out a year presumably did not get better um but also he's had about as much much success even when he had a good team with the likes of deandre hopkins and laramie tunsel i don't know when they trained for laramie tunsel but he's he on a, there he had a decent team he, he had a decent clear team. here he had a bad line that got that went from the worst line to a bad line when they got Laramie Tunsil. He had a solid defensive line and he had two receivers. And yeah. that's about it. And they had him. So, he had a decent line. Or not a decent line. A decent team. And he didn't get okay. any farther than Baker, I don't think. But Baker had a great team. Like Baker had like the best line in the league. He had Baker. That line was decimated back. by the end. Hold on. That, that line, line was fine. That line what? had some. That line had some substitutes, but the line throughout the season and in that game was okay. Like the, they had the. Well, hold on. They had the best. We love Bill Callahan. Yeah. 
how can we say that that line was decimated and then say Bill Callahan makes Blake Hans play like an all pro guard because he does. Like, well, he didn't play like an all. Well. No, no, no. But in the okay, in the Chiefs game, it was Blake Hans, Michael Dunn. I thought Petonio was back for the Chiefs game. No, I Petonio think I thought Treader was out. Oh, he might have been. I'm pretty sure they had two backup linemen in. But they still had Conklin, and those are backup guards, not tackles. And I, and yeah. here's the, here's the thing I want to stress. Okay, and Dedrick Wills is not like an all-world beater. Let's no, be he's real. not. But I want to stress <laughs> that our like decimated line is probably equivalent to the line that the Texans had at their best. Okay. Yes, I'm just saying. Baker, when the Brown, the regular season, yes, the Browns had the best line in football. Um, and you know they won ten games and got to the playoffs. And then oh, yeah. beat the Steelers with that line, I think, with three healthy people. And then lost to the Chiefs with only three healthy starters. So I would say Baker's team was good in uh, what years was that, 2020? I think you're selling them short. I think that was a really good team. Who was I mean, what? I mean, who are the wide receivers? It was the, Higgins. Higgins was the wide receiver. Wide receiver? Team. They had the best <laughs> running back in the NFL and the like fifth best running back in the NFL. Okay, but when you're line. throwing it, that doesn't matter. But they were running it. They were. Th- I mean, th- well, then they- why are we blaming Baker? I'm not blaming Baker. <laughs> I'm saying that the team did well, and Baker did well because they had a great team. Like if it were left to him to pass it, I don't know if he would have done as. Like, look at the touchdowns in that game. Like, the touchdowns in that game are, like, short passes to Jarvis Landry and, like, screens to Nick Chubb or runs from Nick Chubb or runs from Kareem Hunt. Like, that's how we scored those points. It wasn't because Baker was ripping it. He had some games where he did air it out. There were a couple during the regular season when he had the best line in the country. And that's when he aired it out a couple of times. And But he still had a very good line in that game. Like, they kept what was, admittedly, I'm told, a decent Steelers line. You know, whatever. Some people say that. They kept them off of Baker. What, the best defensive line in football? Yes. <laughs> I just got Clowney back. I'm not, I'm not giving up that label yet. Um, who knows? Perry on Winfrey's going to kill everyone. The, he's going to be great. We're going to have the best line. But the point is, the point, I know I sounded like the former president there. The point is, he, Watson had a lot less than Baker did. I don't know. See, I think that's dubious. Okay, then tell me why Pro Football Focus doesn't. I mean, they, they, they like, I mean, they don't like him anymore because of what he's done, but on, on They liked Baker in the years. good season. They liked him in the second half of his best season. He still ended up like the eighth best quarterback overall. I think it was like 10th. I thought but, it was I mean, Either way, because he <laughs> went on a hot streak against really bad teams. I mean, like, we're talking – and they weren't great wins. Like, let's be honest about the 2020 Browns. Like, I love that team. That team was awesome. I had so much fun that season. That was the best season in my life, and I'm not exaggerating. But that in- stretch included, like, what, a two-point win over the Jaguars, a three-point win over the Texans that you're maligning? Like – there was there were a lot of really close games that kept us that could have kept us from winning from making the postseason and included like two losses to Baltimore, a big loss to Pittsburgh. I mean the only teams that we really ran were the Bengals and the Titans. Like I mean in the other teams you know we went out big and then almost gave up because what happened our offense stalled late in the game. 
No, that's like, just how they play. This is that is revisionist history. Okay. <laughs> the Browns would get up at halftime and then drag out the clock in the second, run the ball, do whatever, and play prevent defense, which everybody hated, but it meant that they were undefeated when leading at halftime. So this is true. I think that was just game, like at the time it didn't feel like that, and that like. I don't know. You can go back and watch all the games, and maybe I'll be wrong. But, but there are, at the time, no. <laughs> there are so many different ways to win games, though. Like, look at the well, Patriots game Well, that's the one they picked, and year. it worked. I, but they didn't have they, – they could have not picked that game if receivers – if other teams couldn't just stack the box against us, and then we were just stuck for however long. Like, that's how all those games ended, was we kept trying to run it, and we ran into the same problem this year. We kept trying to run it. We couldn't do it anymore because they were just leaving, you know, single coverage on all of our receivers and saying, throw it. And we couldn't throw it. So we had to punt over and over and over. And part of that is the defense's fault because the defense wasn't good in 2020. They tried very hard. And I appreciate their efforts. <laughs> they were not very good. And I, I'm willing to put that. I'm not putting that all on Baker. But I'm saying if we're questioning this offensive rebuild and we're saying, do they need a new philosophy? If the idea is that late in games, they simply can't get points, no matter which year, 2020 or 2021, this was the same thing. There was exactly one game in 2020 in that stretch where we got late game points, maybe two. And they were both against the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, for yeah. just randomly, any other team in the NFL, <laughs> we could go up big and then make it close at the end, or we couldn't produce a comeback when we needed to produce a comeback. And that's a pretty... Even in Baker's, even in the Steelers game, that was the same pattern. Like, we went up big, and then we struggled late in the game. Like, this is consistently what happens with that team. I don't know. I think, I, I don't know. I, that's just not how I remember it. Like, I think struggling late, or appearing to struggle late, was just how the game plan worked out. And it, like I said, it worked. What do you want? They won. <laughs> it did work. <laughs> I will not deny that. It worked. I'm just saying if they try something new, they try something with wider, more wide receiver involvement, more athletic tight ends instead of check down tight ends like Cooper. I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm okay with seeing what happens there. And I don't think it involves getting rid of the running back focus that they have. Like, I think that the idea is that you can use a pass offense to get a lead. And then because they know you can throw, you use the running backs to eat that clock and you kill them. Like but that's exactly got, what we did that year you're talking about. Baker would sling of, it in the first half. No, this is happening every game. Baker would sling it in the first half, and they would go up. Sling it is yeah, a bold yeah, word. Yeah. No, no. That is what happened every That is game. what happened twice. That is what happened in two games. The Titans game and the first Bengals game. You know, even the second Bengals game. No, okay, I even distinctly remember saying to you that we don't – something like this during that season – Something along the lines of, we're not even we're not a we're not a, sorry we're not a run first team in the first half. We throw it and we go up big, and then we run. That and you said yeah. Okay, well I'm sorry. I'm doing a lot of rethinking. I I think that that it was true. We you know when we said that we said that probably after the Titans game, which is what I'm talking about. And I'm saying yeah, there were games. When that worked, but there were a lot of games when it did not work. Like there we were six certain... games when it did not. Seven, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, there were. Yeah, it's, it's tough to say that that was it though. 
Like, there were more games, There even the wins, we had this problem. Like, I want to circle on the fact that we beat the Texans 10 to 7. We only <laughs> got that because Chubb had that freaky large run where he stepped out of bounds and was the coolest guy. In yeah, you know history. what I take away from that? Like, <laughs> what? What do you take away from that? Who scored seven points? Tell me that. Who was the quarterback? I really hope we Deshaun don't have Deshaun Watson. And, and this is just fate. I know this is just fate because you want me to say Deshaun Watson and literally nobody else. Like, wasn't Fuller out for steroids at that point? And wasn't Hopkins DeAndre was, Hopkins there? No, he was in Arizona. But in 2020? Yeah, because oh, remember, well, that's when he had the freaky catch with Kyler Murray. There okay. was... He had no one in 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 2020. I mean, that was a team that was like, we have one player. It is this quarterback, and we are going to blow up every single other thing about this franchise. And like strategically, that I'm not critiquing Houston for that move. I will critique them for the for the you know leaving Watson out of it stuff. I won't critique them for sending Watson for an entire year after what he did. But like. The Texans gave him nothing. The Texans were never able to put skill position, sufficient skill position players around him to do the damage that they needed to do. DeAndre Hopkins is an insufficient skill player. <laughs> they weren't enough of them. I mean, they couldn't generate the type. I mean, the full roster that we're building with running backs and with a line, they never could cement that. They never got that down. And they never had a defense that was just great, that was great enough to compensate for that. Like, they had a guy who was performing quite well and was a two-time pro bowler at quarterback. Like the, like all of that is to say, it, it'll, I'll wrap this, I'll wrap this point up. Cause I, <laughs> I, I, I recognize the point, but I want to stress that there's a lot of evidence that Watson can be a good quarterback. And I think embraces a different type of mentality than the team. Most people to. would agree with you. Yes, yes I that is true. Not. I don't know. I'm just saying, if you go back to Baker's last healthy season and Deshaun Watson's last season where he played football, which both happens to be 2020, I'm taking the guy who won a lot and went to the playoffs. Watson. But evidently, nobody else will. So that's Watson graded out <laughs> higher. You know Watson graded out as having a much better season than Baker did that year. That's all. He had much better numbers with no one around him. That's, that's, that's true. That's what I was but the MVP has never won the Super Bowl. That's true. This is this is also true. So stat padding. And it, oh sure. Okay. Yeah, he's yeah, if you play from behind a lot, <laughs> you gotta throw it. You're what accusing you him of being a garbage. Are you once again accusing somebody of being Blake Bortles? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think I can go that far. Okay. Although it's I just close. want to be clear. Okay. Jimmy G, yes. Deshaun Watson, no. I see. Yes. Uh, the last thing to talk about is there's still more to talk about with this quarterback thing. Maybe we should have just done an entire episode just with the quarterback stuff. We probably could have. Yes. Um, the last thing to talk about is that how up in the air it is about the suspension, because we all assume there will be one. There should be one. And here's what we know. We know that he met with the NFL. Watson met with the NFL this past week. It's come out. Mary Kay was saying that it's expected that he'll meet with the NFL again. It's possible that we know by the time we have our next show in a month, it's likelier that it'll be in two months. I saw someone who pointed out today that Antonio Brown had similar allegations, though not as many, come up and before the season in 2020, and he had a ton of stuff going on. So it's hard to use him as an analogy because he had a bunch of like separate 
personal conduct code violations that were unrelated to sexual assault. But there was also in there an allegation of sexual assault. That suspension came out July of 2020. It came out before the season. While there were still some ongoing legal matters, it was an eight-game suspension and Brown didn't appeal. Again, it's complicated because there was a bunch of stuff going on that went into that number. And so applying it is hard. But it looks like we might know soon. Yeah. I'd be happy to get your thoughts on that. I'm also happy to get your thoughts on how critical you think that is for the Browns season and <laughs> what it would mean. And I know I know what you're, I have an idea what you're going to say, but you go ahead. Well, yeah. So uh, I've also read, at least on The Athletic, that, uh, yeah, they expect that this is the investigation is in the final stages. So they'll be handing out a suspension. I think they'll give some suspension. Like you said, probably six to eight games is probably like the best bet. I think it would be great if they gave him five years, <laughs> the length of his contract. Because um, yeah. that'd be good because there'd be a point to it. You know, you could ask, like, say, like, well, the Browns knew that you did all this stuff and then signed you to a five year guaranteed contract. So the Browns can suck it and <laughs> not a have a quarterback point. for five years. That would be great. I would support that. But I think six yeah. to eight. And he won't appeal. I, I really would doubt that he would appeal. Um, as well, I understand it, it doesn't really matter how the civil suits go so much as much as yeah. he really should not lie to them. <laughs> like, they will find out what he did. And if he tries to tell them he didn't do something that he did do, they'll get much angrier and suspended for a lot longer than if he just admits it and kind of, you know. Well, you know, it's a, it's a business. They they're not in the business of jailing people, so yeah, no. that's true. And and they're not in the business of heavily punishing people for this either. I mean, we're in the same division as Roethlisberger was. Right. I mean, his legacy is all over this. But and they'll tell you that there's fewer counts of it, and that's true. And it's a different time, right? But I think I think that there's some things to consider with it. I do expect him to appeal it. Because he's taken a very hard line stance. Like with Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger settled. And Watson has been adamant this entire time he will not settle. Now, there's also a lot of effort from the attorney representing the women that he settle. And there's a documentary, there's a special coming out on HBO this Tuesday where they're going to interview a number of them, too. There's a lot of pressure on him to settle. They say that the Browns are saying it's up to him what he does and we're not going to pressure him. Um, but I don't know how it would be consistent with his stance to not appeal because he's, I mean, his legal stance has been adamant the entire time that he didn't do anything. I am, of course, not saying that I believe a lick of that, but I'm saying that that's what he's contending and has contended the whole time. So I do expect right. he'll appeal it. I don't know um, if that will matter. I mean, I mean, Roethlisberger appealed. It was six and it went to four. So I don't know if I, I think his legal stance and assuming he's guilty is kind of iffy, but, you know, whatever. Um, uh, sorry, I was, what was I going to say? Oh, well, I think his public legal stance of is, like, obvious. Uh, obviously, you're not going to say that you did it right. So, of course, he's going to be adamant. But I think when he gets in the room with the NFL, they need to know what he actually did. So I would say he will tell them, and they will give him suspension, and if you appeal it, I, I guess he could appeal it and then them knowing what he did. But 
it can get increased on appeal too is something to consider i don't know i i just think there's probably going to be some sort of like agreement where they find out what he did um they give him a suspension and he agrees to just not appeal it and just and just they just try to move on because i don't think the nfl wants it hanging over that's possible that's that's a good point i think that it you know i'm sympathetic to what some people have pointed out which is if you look at the browns schedule the schedule seems to indicate he's going to get suspended this year for at least four games. And I think that because if you look at the schedule, there's a couple of details. I'm not going to go too far in the schedule this time around. Maybe we'll have more to say about it next time after things settle. I, we're actually waiting for the clowny thing to settle, and then all of a sudden it did. So we'll see what all that looks like. But the Browns have the second easiest start to the season of any team by strength of schedule. We opened Carolina, the Jets, and then Pittsburgh. To all teams we can beat for sure. I know I said that about Pittsburgh last year. I'm pretty sure I think that might actually offense. be true. Yeah. <laughs> so, but you look at that lineup, that's not that tough. So that makes me think that they're not going to throw their big marquee matchups at us early. That makes me think that it's going to be a suspension at the start of the season. And the Texans game, which they absolutely want people to watch, right? It's a, it's a Watson return to a team he held out from. There's all of that going on. It's the NFL, you know, no publicity is bad publicity, right? They're going to, they have that slated for early December. So I don't think it'll be a full season suspension. And I think they're anticipating that the suspension will be done before that game at the very least. And I also think another thing too, and this is a pretty consensus opinion among Browns reporters, is that the Browns would not have done this. That there's a lot of discussion about whether the Browns did adequate you know, interviewing and research beforehand, and I'm not a lawyer and all of this stuff. Um, but one thing that they're pretty adamant about is the Browns wouldn't have done this if they thought they were going to get a full season suspension or right, right. a, a five-year <laughs> contract suspension as some some have, have uh, offered, which I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but I'm no, saying no. that I don't <laughs> no. think... Yeah, I think they've got yeah, a yeah. handle on the fact that they think it will be probably half a season, if that. And But it's also clear... I know that you and I both know it's also clear they think there's going to be a suspension because why did they sign one of the best backup quarterbacks on the market in Jacoby Brissett? I think they totally expect Brissett to play at least four games this season, probably yeah. before the start. Yeah. No, that that all lines up. Well, yeah, I think it'll end up for all the huff and puff everywhere about it. It'll probably just be your standard six to eight games and right. everybody move on. <laughs> I think the NFL will tell them to do. Yeah. 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 Now, a lot of people have said this civil suits themselves, right? So, I mean, it won't move, it'll move on from the NFL's stance in that they've done what is their process. And again, that doesn't mean it's an adequate process, but um, they've done that. The civil suits, a lot of people are saying, since Watson won't settle, could linger until like next summer. So, this could be like a year long thing. And they've talked about, you know, trying to get procedures so that he doesn't have to go in during the season, which might slow it down. And, but the, certainly the legacy of this will hopefully continue to live on for a long time. The actual affairs of this, a lot of people say will continue until maybe even next July. Yeah, actually that's what I forgot when considering why he wouldn't appeal is because if he appeal or like if he told the NFL, he didn't do it. And then, and then they said, gave him a suspension based on that. And then he lost the civil suits. Yeah. That would probably not go very well for him. That's my, is my idea. Yeah. But uh, so I kind of think he'll settle. Up. I think he'll take the suspension and then settle. 
It's possible. I'll say that they've been really vocal about not selling. I don't know. Again, this is all speculation. What anybody says in the media. <laughs> I know. I know. Anything legal in, in the news means nothing. So. I know. Yeah. Well, that I think summarizes our quarterback segment of the show, which <laughs> I'm sure will come up again. I'll do more research. Oh yeah, and, and <laughs> the, 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 I mean we'll have tons, and we'll have new figures about whether or not Watson can throw a football or not, and yeah, um, and we might even know about the suspension by the next time we're on air. So we'll see. Let's pivot, if it's even possible to pivot away from the quarterbacking to some of the other major moves of the off season. Sam, I want to start with one that I think you and I both agree on, which is Amari Cooper. That's a big deal. Do you want to talk about that? Because so the Browns, for those of you out there, the Browns traded a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper, who was the number one receiver in Dallas last year, had some injury problems, and we signed. He was expensive. He was a cap casualty out of Dallas. Cost about twenty million dollars a year at the time. We took him on, which is a huge. I don't know the last time we made that big of an investment. I think that might even be more than we were paying Odell. Oh yeah, um, Odell was making fifteen. Yeah. So this is a huge investment, but it also was immediately it looked better immediately because the whole wide receiver market exploded like two yes. weeks later. So why don't you talk a little bit about your thoughts on Amari Cooper? Well, yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought it was great at the time before the wide receiver market exploded as you said but for pretty much the same reason as now which is you know i said to everyone the you know record-setting contracts are about to get set as they do every offseason in the wide receiver market and so 20 million a year for amari cooper in like two years is going to look like an absolute steal and in fact it looks like an absolute steal two weeks later so Mm -hmm. that was great but yeah like you said i think some people are little down on him i think he's a true number one receiver I think this is great for Donovan Peoples-Jones. He can yes. go into that number two role that he was very good. I mean, he played number one sometimes. Uh, he was the number one option sometimes. But he'll be great there. I really believe in him, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Amari Cooper, what's not to love? <laughs> number four <laughs> overall pick some years yeah. ago. Heisman finalist. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great addition. It's a great move. And it, and it, I think, lends a little credence to reshaping the offense because it is the largest investment we've made in a wide receiver. I don't think it requires that because I think he also was necessary if we had kept Baker because we just needed receivers. Yeah, I mean, this is they did this back when we thought Baker we were going forward with Baker. Right. And so everybody said, you know, Amari Cooper is a great route runner. That's great for Baker. Um, plus, like, if you remove Landry and Odell, that's $30 million. And then get 20 million back with Amari Cooper. So they're really saving $10 million so far on the wide mm-hmm. receiver core, as far yeah. as I can tell. Um, and we'll yeah. talk about, we'll talk low, about the entry in a second. You know, Go ahead. Low profile in the media too. Amari yeah, Cooper. that's nice. Wow. That's awesome. What a, just so, cool. Yeah. Overall, I, that probably the favorite deal of the off season, to be honest. I think so. He's definitely mine. I mean, like, everybody can agree with him. We can all say, you know, everybody else has all the other discussions about all the other moves that we can say, all right, could shake hands because Amari Cooper was a good move and a necessary move. Absolutely. The next one I want to talk about is a fun one. Let's talk about Jakeem Grant Sr., who is a returner kind of slot receiver type who didn't grade out super crazy high. 
But, and he's not, you know, he's uh, 29 years old, so he's not super young. He spent the first five years of his career in Miami, then went to Chicago. So he's kind of a toolsy guy, but I think it could be a lot of fun because I'd love to have a good return specialist. I just miss the days of Josh Cribbs, and I'd love another yeah. opportunity for that. Yeah, I, some, yeah, people say gadget guy or whatever. I don't yeah. expect him to play many snaps at all at wide receiver. I think he's just going to be a kick returner, which is great. That's what we need, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think he's a wide receiver. <laughs> Special teams might, only. I think that it's going to be interesting this year because we're going to see a lot of different guys in the slot. Like, right. We know that there's a lot of different receivers we have that can go just about everywhere. Like I, I think you're right that I expect to see Cooper in Peoples Jones as the one and the two. But where the rest? Of, where does Anthony Schwartz go? Newcomer David Bell. Where does he go? Where does Jake? Does Jakeem Grant factor into it? Like. Mm. We're going to see yeah. a lot of different wide receiver looks, which, again, I think leads credence to the idea that we're trying to be more wide receiver centric. Um, and we'll see what they do, too, with, you know, Njoku is, first of all, franchise tag. It's a huge deal, the franchise tag at tight end. But, you know, it was largely in-house. So right. he's an athletic tight end. We're going to see a lot of different passing looks this year. And we have before because we just saw a bunch of two tight end, three tight end sets, but like. There's a lot of opportunity here, even if Brissett's the quarterback. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think David Bell, I would definitely put David Bell, as most people do right now, starting in the slot over Grant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, with Njoku also, who op- would operate mostly in the slot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just don't see a whole lot of room for Grant, and he's probably not good enough to bust through the rotation. you know. But maybe he does, but- and good for him if he does. <laughs> and to be a returner. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. He'll have a solid job. They have not been happy with any of their returners. So. Right. I could I could see a fun thing where we essentially just run every fast person we have on the roster. So, like, we could have, like, a four-wide receiver set. We make Felton a wide receiver. Schwartz is out there. Jaheim Grant is out there. And we find a fourth guy, and we just have a foot race. And we're just like, we're going to go real fast. Everybody's yeah. fast. Go. I don't I know if anybody would catch it, but you know. No, I do not know. <laughs> I, I do not think they will. Yeah. Next major move, last one. Most of the moves this offseason have been pretty quiet, except for the big one and Cooper, frankly. Um, fullbacks. Let's talk about them. We have moved on from Andy Janovich. Right. It looks like the fullbacks moving forward, if we keep him, is our man Johnny Stanton the fourth. That's kind of fun. How yeah. about that? I remember talking about Johnny Stanton, what, three years ago? Oh. UNLV quarterback. Possible Taysom Hill candidate. That didn't turn out. But, you know, yeah. still, he's good. And he was awesome last season, I think, when uh, Janovich was out. So, yeah. 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 And a lot of people think he'll make the roster because right now we've only got three tight ends, which is low for us. Right, yeah. So it's possible he doesn't, but... Depending again on the philosophy, but I think I think we'll keep a fullback. Why not? Yeah. I mean, if exactly. we're if we're trying to harken back to the old days of grind football and all sorts of stuff, right? You gotta have a fullback. I think by by league rule, you can't run some plays unless you have a fullback on the roster. It's like a premium yes. thing. It's like NFL Plus. But yeah, also I think you're right about the tight end. Yeah, I've seen that mentioned too. That with only three tight ends, I mean, if one gets hurt, you're down to two, and then you you know you need someone who can block. So right. Our next up, our next segment I want us to talk about, too, is something I call Salute the Fallen, which is about the... Oh, good. I was worried we were going to just ignore all the cuts. I know. <laughs> well, we're going to start with the, one of the toughest ones to get behind, just J.C. Treader, 
the union man. I mean, stalwart behind the line. You know, free agent acquisition from like four owner, you know, four GMs ago, which I guess isn't that long ago. Is it's, it's a lot, it's a lot, lot here than it probably should be. Yeah. But um, yeah. Iron Man almost never hurt. Yeah, he was impressive in there, but he was older and expensive. But I want to know what you think about that, and if you think that the center position is in decent shape. Well. Uh, <laughs> I will defer to the experts of Andrew Barry and Stefanski. They clearly have faith in Nick Harris and or that guy from the Seahawks who they signed. Um, yeah. So, you know, I like you said, Earl disease that earlier too about Bill Callahan. It'll be a good line regardless. Uh, Nick Harris has been around for a couple of seasons now, so he's been learning. He, I think they'll be fine. It is tough to see, you know, one of the key pieces of the best line in the league for the past two seasons leave. I know. But um, that was probably necessary no matter what else. Well, not no matter what else happened, but th- it wasn't a complete shock, but still, you know, well, we, we had to do what we had to do. I mean, it's expensive. Right. He's older and, and it's tough because we never want to see those guys go. And he was part of, of one of the most formidable lines in Brown's history, but we have to draft replacements at some point. And we got to remember Wyatt Teller was a nobody and yeah, we turned him true. into a fantastic guard. We still got Bill Callahan. So when we're taking Nick Harris, right? Nick Harris is young. I don't see any reason he can't step in and be a center. And if it fails, I mean, we've got experienced guards. Like we've got people who could flex into center and we've got yeah. depth. Like, I think it's funny that we signed the, Seahawks center, his name is Ethan, I think it's Posich or Pochich. That's right, Pochich, yeah. He's 26 years old. He was a former second rounder. It's also really funny because he started 10 games for the Seahawks last year, and now he's signing with us. And so our like backup line is the Seahawks offensive line, which is right. poor Russell Wilson. My <laughs> God, he was there for way yeah. too long. But so, I would expect that guy to compete for the starting spot. With Nick Harris, because we have oh, not yeah. seen much of Nick Harris at all. No, at, we haven't. In, in, in any capacity, but especially at center. So we'll see. Yeah. I think it'll be fine. I, You know, center is not one of the premium positions. So, yeah. you know, kind of plug and play. We've <laughs> got enough good linemen, too. I mean, we're spoiled when it comes to a line. Yeah. So we have one weaker one. I mean, most teams have three. So yeah. we'll get by. Next fallen is troy hill whom we traded in the middle of the nfl draft for a fifth round pick trading him back to the rams we essentially took him away had them win a ring and then gave him back so he doesn't that, that's ring. gotta suck yeah that's just cool <laughs> he really was upset about that we made a lot of players upset this offseason yeah so, but, you know what are you gonna do i just feel bad about it but um troy hill was traded shortly after the browns drafted mississippi state corner mj emerson in the third round Emerson's tall. A lot of people think that he could fill a similar role to Troy Hill. Well, it I depends. think people want him putting putting. They could put him on the outside. And move, it depends. Uh, a lot of people have been saying that it's a tall. We don't know. So that's the thing, right, is we know that we have a ton of defensive backs. And some people, some writers have said, put Emerson there and try him out because he's tall and you need taller receivers in the slot nowadays, right, especially if you're matching up with guys like Mark Andrews. It's impressive how much right. of our team is designed so that we can play against the Ravens. And it doesn't work either. Doesn't. <laughs> all, it worked last year. We got one. That's so true. We watched it, yeah. At the start, we almost got one in 2020. Yeah. But either way, 
Um, we drafted a corner. That was our first pick. It was really funny because everyone said the Browns are absolutely drafting a receiver or a defensive lineman with their first pick. And so what did we do? We took a corner because we don't live by your rules. And so I want to know what your thoughts are on the trade and also on drafting MJ Emerson and if the Browns have enough corners as is. Right. Well, Troy Hill was good, but ultimately replaceable. Clearly, they agree. Um, so, you know, getting a pick for him, that's great. Uh, not paying him even better. Although he wasn't making much money, but still. Um, everybody always says you, everybody needs more cornerbacks. So I wasn't, like, upset by taking cornerback in, with the first pick. Um, wasn't something I'd circled as a need, but I trust that they really like this guy enough. Um, yeah, we'll see. A lot of people have... The Browns is one of the top cornerback rooms in the league. Oh, yeah. uh, which, you know, if Newsom keeps developing, and obviously Denzel Ward with his record-breaking briefly extension, mm-hmm. um, is definitely possible, which would be exciting. But, uh, yeah, always need more cornerbacks. So, we do. happy to have him aboard. <laughs> I would be... I would... I'm happy that he's here. I think Everson looks great. And we definitely could use the corners, especially with the quarterbacks that we're facing in the AFC North and also Kenny Pickett. Because, um, you know, someone's got to catch the six picks a game he's going to throw. So. <laughs> but Lamar and Joe Burrow, those are a little more formidable. So I think that it's a bit of a letdown because I was really happy when we got Troy Hill. Like yeah, was, I did like Troy Hill. but He yeah. was fun. But it was always his last year. I mean, it was a two-year deal, so he wasn't going to be here for much longer. We could probably use the fifth rounder, and yeah, you could take another corner. I mean, if we can get younger on defense, and Hill wasn't a huge reason that we were, you know, gelling at the end. I mean, he got hurt trying to spear some guy late in the game. He did he, have some good sacks, though. He had like some. three sacks in one game. Was he fun. was a good blitzing corner, which is not what I expected. <laughs> and I don't know if that's what we expected from him, but he was good at that. Yeah. I think we are hoping we can generate pressure with the defensive line enough without him. I so, don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, we got I mean, Clowney Miles Garrett, Garrett Alex yeah. Wright. But, uh... I think we'd much rather have it come from there and have the pass protect, have the corners do corner things. But yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. I got a little mixed up. No, no, it's all good. I get I it. It's, it, it's, it's tough because... You know, you don't want to move on from a big free agent signing out soon. But I do think it'll be okay. Yeah. They also have Greedy Williams, too. And A.J. Green, who was good briefly. A.J. Um, Green, they if they're trying with Richard LeCount in the third, I don't think that's going to work. Uh, well, he's a safety anyway. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. I think there's a lot of bodies in that corner room. And I certainly think we have one of the best duos with Newsom, yeah. the second in Ward. That goes without saying. Our next fallen is Eminem, the... Defensive tackle grouping of Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell. Well, I don't know why we have this happen every offseason where one of our players who wasn't that good just, like, goes off the wire. Um, McDowell had – was arrested over the offseason. Like, we were already – he was already a free agent. We already probably weren't going to bring him back. But he, like, walked – There's a here's, here's a headline for you from the local news – Brown's Malik McDowell walked into school naked and attacked a deputy. Like, what the hell? Like, that's yeah. just, it's the same thing with Greg um, Greg Robinson and his 170 pounds of weed at the Mexican border. <laughs> like, where does that come up with this stuff? Yeah. Well, 
they were completely the definition of replaceable. Yeah. So, and we found completely replacement level guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, checks out. Defensive you, tackle, not a not a big priority on Andrew Barry's list. No, and and on any analytics list, but I do, I will go to bat for Perry on Winfrey because I think he's great. I think he's a fun guy. First of all, he, he like barks all the time. It's it's funny, and I think he's going to be good. Like Pro Football Focus and other people were saying, his problem at Oklahoma was just misuse. And I think if we think we can get him there, like most people were mocking him in the second round, we got him in the fourth. That's value right there. I'm willing to be optimistic. I think we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. I think he can start. Yeah, I, I hope he can start. Um, I think he probably will start. So yeah, I, I mean he'll probably be perfectly good enough. You know, fills a fills a hole, <laughs> takes up yeah. a, at least half of a guard. You know, so good enough. That'll work. And yeah. we also signed Taven Bryan. He was a former Jaguars defensive tackle. We also uh, we still have Jordan Elliott. We have Tommy Togai, go Bucks. So we've got yes. some bodies in there. And again, I mean, a lot of this is just we have to have faith in who we draft. So like Elliott and Togai, we have to have faith that they can deliver. Same thing goes for Nick Harris, right? We we take these developmental guys. We gotta let them go out there, and we got we gotta try it. We need cheaper homegrown products to be able to build a contending team. Andrew Barry's made that clear the entire time. So I think that we'll learn about this defensive tackle group is that we're taking chances with the people that we've had faith in for a while now. Right. And I think it'll be fine. I, they just have to yeah. take a leap. And we've had a year to work with Togai. I think he can do it. Yeah, I mean, I unless you're Aaron Donald or Chris Jones or something, defensive tackle is not a game breaker. So, yeah. Right. That's, I <laughs> it'll mean, be great. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out. I will say it will yeah. be a learning experience. Yeah. Which could be good. Could be good. I'm, I'm going to continue to believe it's good. Our last salute the Fallen is one that everyone's talked about, and they've continuously ru- rumored that he would come back until he finally signed somewhere else. We have to talk about Jarvis Landry. I know we've talked about him a lot on this show. What do you think about it? So Jarvis goes to New Orleans, on a one-year deal, right. a lot of incentives, not that much money. What do you think? Well, I remember a year ago... I know you remember too. Pete Smith's yeah. <laughs> controversial take that we should cut Jarvis Landry, run it uh, with Odell. Turns out that was kind of half right. I mean, Jar- Jarvis was important last season, right? So that probably wasn't the right move last season. Last season was a wash for many reasons anyway. But coming into this year, I think it's absolutely the right call. He was great. He was a lot of fun for his salary of $15 million a year. And frankly, for his production, yeah. we can find better. And so, yeah, it was tough. I know a lot of people really liked him. Um, and that's perfectly, you know, of course, I like, I really liked him. But that was it's fun. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's always less of a question of liking him. I mean, we like most Browns players. The challenge is he wasn't worth it. And it was interesting to watch his free agency saga because... The reports after he signed for New Orleans said he thought he was going to get a lot more than he did, and there just wasn't a lot of interest in him. Yeah, I I can see why. I mean, he did not have a good season last year. Oh. And, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason. But um, 
yeah, I mean, absolutely the right call (laughs) is the bottom line. (laughs) I'm okay with us moving on from him, especially because we've just completely changed the way that our receiver room works. And because Pete's made some decent points, but it's hard. But we'll miss you, Jarvis. But yeah, he was very important while he was here. Yes, he was. That was great. It is weird, though, because without hard knocks, you wonder if we would have known that Jarvis was the big culture influence. Like, I think it would have changed a lot because you would have thought from the outside perspective that Baker was. Like, you look at it, Baker comes in, he raises this team, you know, they, they, they go to the playoffs, right? They go 7-8-1 when they had won one game over the previous two seasons. Quarterback is typically the, the position where they give credit, you give credit to for that sort of resurgence. But it was because we had the behind the scenes that we were watching and it was Jarvis who was doing all that work that we gave it to Jarvis and never gave that to Baker. Or a lot, a lot fewer people gave that to Baker. It's interesting right. how that changed his legacy. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably a group effort to yeah. get the team going. I, I yeah, I don't know. How, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, he definitely was important, and right. lots of credit to him for that. Absolutely. Let's move on to our last segment for the day, which is going to be talking about roster projections. We were planning on doing this at the end of every show because we want to see how they stack up over the summer and seeing how close we get it to the end. So I am going to take out my notebook here, Sam, and I am ready to write down who we think is going to be starting week one for the Browns. Let's start on offense. Give me who you've got. All right. Well, okay. We're going to go with Deshaun Watson, of course. And let me know if you disagree. This is going to be a communal effort, or we can each do one. Um, I think we should each do one. Okay, well, I think the offense is honestly pretty set. Lots of people want us to find another receiver. I think we're fine. I mean, if someone gets hurt, we're in a little bit of a problematic spot. But, you know, I like him right now. So, you got Watson, the line we know, Wills, um, Batonio, Nick Harris, I'll put him there, Uh, Treader, Conklin, really hoping Conklin comes back healthy. I assume you mean Teller, not Treader. Yes, sorry. Oh, oh man. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, hot take. And then, obviously, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones. We'll put David Bell in the slot and David Njoku at tight end. Oh, and Nick Chubb at running back, of course. My goodness. Okay. Um, um, let's make it controversial. Who's the, our, who's the second running back? Oh, see, yeah, that's a good question. I will go with Kareem Hunt. I don't think they're going to move him. But okay. I wouldn't be shocked or really, you know, saddened or otherwise affected too much if they did trade him. Unless they trade him for someone really good, then I'll be happy. But he's important and he's been really good, but, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a running back. And he's the, right. our second running back. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and we have so many other running backs that do. it's tough to give him too much importance. So, I'm, but I think he sticks around, you know. I think he and Chubb get along, they work well together. I think they do, and I think it is like a nice change of pace thing. I just wonder if Jerome Ford or someone can fill a similar role. I would, I don't know, and I think it's also so hard because Dearness Johnson hasn't, Dearness Johnson hasn't signed his right. restricted tender, so we don't know if he'll be on the team yet. He can't play anywhere else, so I suspect they're trying him. to get someone to trade for. Yeah. Johnson, but it might end up that that someone's trading for Hunt. Um, but yeah, the Jerome Ford pick was was a surprise. Yes, it was. Um, 
I think it makes sense. I mean, you might as well keep getting it. And I think if we can flip them, when we get yeah. we get good de- depth running backs, they they play a game or they play you know certain downs when we need them to. They show off and we flip them for better picks. That's a great deal. So yeah. That's, that's exactly what analytics are supposed to be doing, taking advantage of teams that think running backs are worth more than they are. Yeah. I'm I'm going to do my offense now. Okay. Here's what I've got. So I have Brissett under center week one because I think Watson will be suspended. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have the exact same line as you. So left to right, I go Wills. Then I go Batonio, Harris, Teller, Conklin. Pretty straightforward. Wide receiver, I'm going to go Cooper, and I'm going to go Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think that's certain. In the slot, it's a little harder because I do think Anthony Schwartz has some potential, but I am going to give it to Bell because I think he can step in right now and contribute. At running back, I'm going to put Chubb. The second running back, I am going... I'm also going to put Hunt. So I think yeah. we have exactly the same lineup minus right. that I think Brissett will be in. I would put – yeah, I'll, I'll change that. I think I think Watson's going to suspend it too. So okay. I'll go Brissett. Sorry to be boring. <laughs> I know. It's fine. But, uh, now we have the exact – I'll add that I think Johnson will be traded. So I, well, I exciting. Traded. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more interesting on defense. Let's get to defense, and maybe we can have some disagreements. So you start us off. Right. Okay. Well, we got Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. Yeah. Um, I probably would have. I probably would have said that anyway. So but, would I. Uh, it's good to know. I'll get to the interior in a sec. For linebackers, we brought Anthony Walker back. Right. Yeah. So I think that's good. Oh, we run a four-three. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we'll just go four-three. We're not putting him in nickel or anything. No. Even though they're probably gonna run nickel. Yeah. Um, a lot. But anyway. Um. Okay, Anthony Walker, talkie talkie, gotta put talkie talkie, and I guess Jacob Phillips. You're not gonna put Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa in. Shoot, this is the problem with putting him in four three. Okay, put put Joker instead of Jacob Phillips. I didn't write this down. I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they don't have a slot corner. Oh, that avoids that problem. Okay, we'll get Denzel and Newsom on the outside for cornerbacks. Okay. Johnson and Delpit at safety. Ronnie Harrison is back, but you know, was in decline last year. I think. Yeah. At least from a uh, anger management standpoint. That's Um, why Chiefs coach started it, but I'm not fighting. Right. Yeah, but there was other instances too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh man. So, if you had to have a slot corner, what? Where would you? Who? Oh, that's my hot take. It would be Greedy Williams. I, yeah. Oh. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'd put Greedy Williams there because, I mean, I could see AJ Green showing out, but I don't know about a first-year, third-round cornerback, you know, who was drafted for more athletic traits. I hear he was good in college, but, you know. That's true. There's a reason he was in the third round with those great okay. athleticisms. Um, <laughs> okay. For the interior, I got. I, we have to have faith in Jordan Elliott, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, I'd like to think it's going to be Akeem Hicks. Yeah? Yeah. That's what I'll go with. Unsigned. Yeah. 
You think you're you going to bring in a tackle to start? Yes. Okay. We have cap space. Why not? We do. We have some. We don't know how much of the Clowney deal yet. It's looking like $11 million went there, and we have that's to move true. Baker. Yes. But that's a fair point. We, we have plenty. We have like $22 million without um, moving Baker. Okay. And we just or used $27 million, but... And we used $11 million. Yeah. We I think some. I could see Hicks on like a... Eh. Like a one-year deal with a bunch yeah. of... Oh, yeah. One year. Oh, yeah, yeah. One year. Yeah, like... For, I don't know what the D-tackle market is, so I'll refrain from spitting out a number. But, <laughs> yeah. That's true. I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be Akeem Hicks, but of the free agent tackles, that's who I'd like to see there. All right, I can see that. Yeah. Here's what I've got. So, when for this 4-3, my ends are Garrett and Clowney. In the middle, I think we're totally going to see defensive tackle by committee. To start the season. Yeah. I think that I don't expect any defensive tackle to play more than 75% of the defensive snaps. Like, at all. I think we're totally going to rotate. And the rotating bodies, I think, are going to be Brian, Elliot, Togai, Winfrey. I think those right. are the big four. So, day one, who starts is of less importance. I'm going to give it to Elliot, and I'm going to give it to Brian. Okay. By week eight, or by the by after the bye, at the end of the bye, I think Winfrey is starting. I think they're not going to put him out there right away, but I think they're going to ease him in. I think he's going to be good. On the outside, I have Ward, and I'm going to go ahead and be bold, and I'm going to put Emerson on the end. Okay. In conditions when we have a slot. We don't have a slot, it's obviously Newsom. But right. I'm going to put Newsom. So I expect the slot a lot. I'm going to put Newsom in the slot. They say he can do it. They say he's got that skill set, and that's one of the reasons they traded Troy Hill. I trust that, and so I'm going to put him there. I believe that, yeah. On Seekies, I have John Johnson the third, and I have Grant Delpit. Okay. Um, that's pretty non – I don't expect that. Do I think they need to bring in anyone else on defense? Uh, I'm more worried about linebacker personally. Like yeah, Anthony Walker. I mean, JOK is good. Joker's great. Yeah. Yeah. But you would probably sub him out for Taki Taki if you really need him, mm-hmm. a run stopper. Like that's that's my thought. Is yeah, I could see someone better than Taki Taki and maybe younger than Anthony Walker. That is true. Also. Yeah. <laughs> so that part's hard. I know. I know. I don't want to hate on Taki. Yeah. Taki. And he tries really hard. So, Jacob uh, Phillips is supposed to be good. I've never seen it, to be frank. He was just hurt all of last year, so I'm not going to pencil him in for something that I haven't seen him in forever. And again, I think that linebackers will also be a heavily committee approach for that third spot. I do think Walker will start a lot. I think Joke is a lock. So I could see Taki Taki. I could see Phillips. I could see other people, too. Like, I don't think that this defensive lineup is the same, is finished. Like, do I think we need another tackle? Eh. But I think we'll sign one. I don't know if it'll be as big as Akeem Hicks, but I think we'll sign one. And I don't think that the linebacker core is set either we you know who's not in this is vinovich and i and i think we both agree though that chase vinovich isn't going to start no 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 he's rotational pass rushing situations i'm going to be an optimist though because one person we haven't talked about is third round pick alex wright out of uab who's good who's like 90 plus grade in that in their conference which was not a great conference by any means but 
I think he's going to come along. Like, I think that this edge group, now that we have Clowney, is good. If we didn't have Clowney, I was going to be freaky worried, and I don't think they would have been durable. I think it would have been all sorts of problems. With yeah. Clowney, that is totally deep enough. Like, that that right there is all I'm asking for. No, I agree. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about I, I you know I'm very skeptical of the defensive tackles which is why I think I, we're going to bring in someone like Akeem Hicks and I think it will be Akeem Hicks well why do you want to do you want to know who the rumor is the rumor is in Dominican Sue. oh yeah I, I yeah that's true I mean I'm fine with that like <laughs> he were yeah he's old you know yeah. but he's fine so I'm not too worried about it at all if he I'd wants. like Akeem Hicks to mentor all these young guys, though. Yeah, and I really that would want to be nice. mentoring them. No. no. <laughs> Although, so. weirdly enough, Sue would be another Heisman finalist. A lot of Heisman finalists on our team. Yeah. Sue. Well, everybody goes for the winner. They go for the flashy pick, like Baker They Mayfield. do. But if you look at it, like, I mean, Heisman finalist to whom? Cooper was the Heisman finalist to Marcus Mariota. And I'm taking Amari Cooper over Marcus Mariota. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, at this point, absolutely. Baker was the Heisman finalist to Lamar Jackson. Yes, he was. He was also the Heisman winner. Yeah, I know. But I'll take Baker anytime. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Well, that's our last, I think, our last thing. What One interesting person we haven't talked about on the roster in these projections is Baker Mayfield. Uh, the last wrap-up, and then we'll end the show there. Do you think he's traded by the end of from a month from now? And no. if he's traded, where's he going? No, you don't think so? No. If he is traded, it would have to be the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he is. Why Carolina keeps floating. I mean, Carolina keeps coming up. And maybe they'll get him. Yeah. I just, it just depends on how much money we have to eat. And I really don't want to eat a lot, but I'm not too worried about it because it is only a year. Unless we're trying to make a big move now. Right. How well, people it? talk about eating money, but right now we're eating all of it. Like, <laughs> so, right. well, we that's may- <laughs> the thing is that we're trying not to eat it. Like, we really don't want that money on. And it really sucks, too, because the Panthers ate so much with Sam Darnold. Like, right. that's the reason they won't do it is they just did this and it failed. Like, Baker could work out for them better than Sam Darnold did, for sure. But they oh, won't yeah. make that money move because they already screwed themselves with Sam Darnold. Yeah. It depends... If the I think if the front office and or the coach feels like they're about to get fired, then they could make a panic right. move for Baker. Otherwise, which makes it sound like Carolina it, is plausible. Like yeah, oh, that makes it plausible. Matt Rule. It's true. We'll yeah. see. We'll yeah. end it there then. I think we've had it. <laughs> we'll, I'm sure we'll have plenty of leftovers to continue talking about in a month. And we haven't even broken down Cade York, the kicker, and all sorts of stuff. And, potential depth chart stuff i'm excited to see what happens over the summer i'm also anxious to see what happens with watson so i am excited to see this team actually on the field lots of people yeah making lots of claims about it there you know <laughs> sorry to wrap it up i would be careful about declaring any victories before the browns have been off-season champs before you know that's true last year regular year before that champs. yeah so you know you'd think they'd learn but I don't know. I don't. <laughs> so I we'll see how they actually do. But Maybe they learn yeah, this time. it's been interesting. It has. 
Well, thanks for listening, everybody, to the 92-Yard Run Podcast. I've been Joey, he's been Sam, and we both say, go Browns. Go Browns.